I'm just so grateful to be back in the community after COVID. My new mantra is to be extremely honest and straightforward and answer the questions realistically. That's Grammy award-winning cellist Zuel Bailey. He's back to talk about his work in Mesa with the Classical Music Inside Out series and what you can look forward to next season. I'm Melissa Green. Thanks for tuning in to the latest episode of Heart of the Arts. So thank you for talking with me again. I remember our last conversation about the 10th season of the Inside Out series and all the work you've been doing for the schools here in our communities. You said that by the end of the week, the group of kids you're working with get to see you perform on stage, but as their friend. Who was a friend to you at that age or at an important time in your life that was doing that kind of work? That is a great question. Um, You know, a lot of the things that we're doing here at the Mesa Arts Center are, are kind of copies of my own childhood. And um, I was very lucky with the Kennedy Center, which was our Mesa Arts Center, uh, and their fellowship programs and their um, ability to get us kids into the concert hall consistently to watch rehearsals with the National Symphony and Mstislav Rostropovich conducting, as well as um, to have one-on-ones with the teachers in the, in the National Symphony, as well as guest artists. Uh, those guest artists came to our schools, um, but you know they we also went to them, and um, there are so many that were inspirational to me for so many different reasons, and so um, that's kind of also how we program here, from the Ataka String Quartet to the pianist to Adam Golko to Awadajan Pratt to the Aroka Trio to you know of all of the things that when they walk into the Mesa Art Center. They're not only walking into a place that they can feel is home, because it is home, but they also know um, the people in the center itself. And I love the fact that I could be their host. Um, just yesterday, um, we were I was at Smith Junior High School, and the hour and a half that I was there was structured into how to go to a concert and what to expect and how to listen and what to listen for and how to um, empower the performer to play even better through their applause or their or their silence or these kinds of things. And um, we can't take that stuff for granted because we, we only learn uh, generally by experience, but, um, you know, the first experience can be frightening, just walking into a concert hall and not knowing what to do. So my hope is, is that uh, when they walk into the hall for our concerts and they see me, that they feel safe and that I see them and I see my friend from the schools because I'm consistently going to these schools uh, six times a year, six weeks a year, and I'm bringing all of my friends alike. So generally speaking, as you know, there's a concert on Wednesday or Thursday of any given week, but the artists and, and myself, we are in the school starting Monday morning. So in those three or four days prior to the concert, uh, we are making it very personal. What are some conversations that come up with the kids? Are they curious about the same things you were curious about? What kind of like off the wall questions come up during during these master classes and conversations? You know, I'm trying. I, I'm just so grateful to be back in the community after COVID. And I my new mantra is to be extremely honest 
and straightforward and answer the questions realistically and real, not, not to fluff things up and make them something they're not. Um, <clears throat> a lot of the questions that the kids ask me are, you know, how do you make a living being a musician? How do you pay your bills? Um, you know, what do you do with the cello on the airplane? How much is your cello? Um, and and I, I talk about art collecting with cellos and instruments like this and donors and, you know, how we as musicians are, are generally borrow these things and, and show the world like a museum, uh, you know, a, a traveling exhibit. Um, I talk about how tough it is traveling and how the things that I remember on the road are having witnessed the history books come alive in the cities that I'm in. We talked about Russia. We talked about uh, Ukraine. We talked about the Middle East. Uh, and then we talked about the food in those places, um, which they can all relate to uh, because it's, again, making history come alive. Where we go with these conversations and these community engagements um, are, are fascinating to me because, um, again, the, the hardest part for me is to um, let the, the younger people know that it's safe to ask any question and that I will not only be respectful in answering it, but I will answer it. Uh, they can ask anything. And them getting to see you answer any kind of question that is allowing them to see you get vulnerable, which has to help a lot. One of the one of the questions that was asked recently, which I thought was fascinating, which I think a lot of people would uh, not really want to answer was, how does being a traveling musician affect your home life? Yeah, I'd like to know that too. <laughs> well, I said that, I mean, the, the, the truth is, is that um, I have two boys. One is 19 and one is 15, and they've only known me to travel. So, <clears throat> you know, I, they know that dad doesn't work at the airport. He, he goes to the airport to go to other places, but um, that, you know, that he, what he does on the road, and they've been traveling with me, they know what my daily schedule is like. And of course, thank goodness for cell phones and internet, but we can be in contact all the time. And the difference though, that I tell the, the kids with my own kids is that, you know, you can also go through life being there with your families, but not also being there. And I said, so what I do is that I go out and do these adventures. Uh, and my boys want to know all about it. But when I come home, I generally put the cello away and I'm with them 24 seven for the amount of time that I'm there and just all about being together. And um, those experiences, uh, at least from their standpoint, are, are everything. And um, I, one of the greatest compliments I got from my oldest son when he was 10, he said, Dad, I hope when I get older, I'm as happy as you are. And that's the best thing you could ever teach your kids. And because he just sees the passion and the excitement and the, you know, the, the joy of life that comes through in everything that I do, let alone being their dad. And he just, he said, I just want that so badly. I want to be as happy as you. I said, well, you will be. You just, you just have to go after your dreams and, and um, keep, keep living the most. Oh, I love hearing that. Kids mimic their parents. So your life to them probably seems normal and it's just life and they'll probably walk a similar walk, et cetera. That's right. That's right. And they know what they know, and we all know what we know based on what we've what we've been through. And in this particular case, you would think it was a negative because of just having to be on the road so much. But in this particular case, it's clearly become a positive. 
and they are they they want the same thing. They want to be adventuresome and they want to go out in the world. And when I can take them, um, you know, I the other day we were just on a trip together in, in Baton Rouge, Louisiana, and I said, you know, when I call you, this is what I'm doing. This is where I sit and practice. And um, you know, I always look around the hotel to try to find a place to eat, but I always try to find places that are local to a particular area or, or a particular kind of food. And I said, why don't you help me choose that? And so we together as a team, um, got, he got to experience by choosing uh, our own adventure. Um, and so you know, the conversation we had this morning was, um, so where are you now? And I said, I'm in Mesa, Arizona. And they said, oh, are you gonna go back to the Blue Adobe restaurant? The one that makes you feel like you've eaten too much salt after you finish? <laughs> yeah. I started laughing. I said, I probably will. <laughs> he said, get the stacked enchiladas. Oh my gosh, I wish I were there. Yeah, that's so cool. It's really neat. So let me ask about the upcoming season of the Inside Out series. It's going to be hard to top the one with you, uh, with you performing today, closing out the 10th season with amazing artists and a Beethoven trio. So you get to hear each artist solo in this concert tonight and then you all come out and put all three voices together which is what the series is all about in a nutshell absolutely and i i i I brought the greatest individual performers on the planet natasha paremsky on the piano and chian on the violin and um i will be joining them on the cello and the first half of the show is to showcase each of the individual personalities and voices Uh, so by, by the time, just like we go into the community, um, and this was not an, uh, an accident, I wanted everyone in the audience to know the performers before the second half. So even if they are you know, adults and people like that in the, in the audience, uh, they will hear the violin, which is going to start the program. They will get to know Chian <clears throat> through her personality and her playing. And then I will walk out with a solo cello and I'll perform by myself for 15 or 20 minutes. And then they will know me through that piece and the sounds of the cello alone. And then they'll hear Chopin with Natasha Paremsky playing the piano, a beautiful piece, intermission. And then they'll hear one of the great masterpieces by Ludwig van Beethoven, the Archduke Trio, um, which is just uh, glorious, a 40 minute work that showcases all the voices together in a in a, almost a symphonic form, which is such a grand form. But you would you 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 now can hear the violin in the part and the cello in the part and what the piano does to bring it all together. And so I, it should be extraordinary in a perfect way to celebrate this season. So you build these programs and how do you find the next group of individuals? What's same? What's what's different year to year? Um, the, the, everyone always asks me, how could you outdo the season we're in? Because they're, they're, we're usually, usually um, celebrating so intensely and, and, and is so happy with the, with the seasons. And I don't try to recreate it. So I, what I tell them is, I, I'm not going to, I'll, I'll change it because I, it, it depends on what we are in the mood for, for the coming season. Um, you know, we, the Mesa Art Center has had um, their pianos over, overhauled in the past several years, uh, a tremendously redone. And one of the, the things that we were talking about is that we need to really showcase uh, the art of piano reconstruction and how special it is to have this, the, the, the super pianos in this facility. And, you know, the, 
you know, everything from getting the word out to watching the documentary, The Making of a Steinway Piano, which is on YouTube, by the way, everyone should see that, uh, from the forest where they choose the wood to the concert hall um, after it's been constructed. Um, we invited to next season, we decided to start with a pianist, Adam Golko. He's a Polish-American pianist and uh, known for his amazing concerto solos as well as recitals. And um, he specialized over COVID right before on the complete works of Beethoven. He was supposed to come here um, to do the complete works of Beethoven, but of course COVID got in the way. It was also a big celebratory year, 250 of Beethoven. Um, so we, we wanted to have him back, but we made it even more diverse. So on Thursday, October 6th, Adam Golk will be returning with a piano a recital of Beethoven and uh, Kapustin and other uh, pieces like this, uh, but showcasing um, a, a new face that has not performed here, uh, an amazing diverse recital, but also the pianos. Um, and so that's what we're going to be really featuring that week um, with the person who also built the piano, rebuilt it. We'll be flying in from New York City to talk about how and why pianos that are spectacular need to be recalibrated. Um, so that's going to be really interesting. Uh, <clears throat> this past year, for the 25th anniversary of the Sphinx competition in uh, Detroit, Michigan, um, I was a judge. Uh, we have been uh, featuring Sphinx competition winners um, they, uh, this is a competition that features uh, young Black and Latinx uh, classical string players. Um, and we decided to hold hands with the Sphinx competition and to present their laureates. Um, so we're doing a joint presentation uh, on Thursday, November 10th, uh, with two of the winners. One of them, um, it's difficult to say this name, let's see, Jonathan Okasinuik uh, on violin, is actually from Mesa. And, uh, and so this will be a really terrific show to feature one of our own here, who grew up here and, and studies here, um, and also uh, an amazing affiliation with a, an organization that has um, created um, an incredible platform for diversity and is celebrated worldwide. So that's the Sphinx Competition winners, um, the laureates, on Thursday, November 10th. In January, we get to invite back one of our favorites, the pianist Awadajan Pratt. He'll be joining the Maxwell Quartet on Thursday, January 19th. Uh, and they'll be doing a collaboration of, of um, piano quintets and quartets. Um, and uh, in particular, one of the features will be a, a piece by, named Clouds, a quintet uh, by the Jamaican-British composer Eleanor Alberga, um, who is one of the most prominent black female composers in the world. Um, and so that'll be a, a spectacular evening of, again, a familiarity, Awadajan coming back with a new quartet to this area, the Maxwell Quartet, they're from Europe, uh, featuring a very diverse, uh, wonderful program of, of works that we have not heard before. Um, now, in March, this is going to be a really interesting. So the, the reason why I'm here uh, is based on the first real solo concert I gave here 10 years ago. Uh, the complete Bach cello suites. And so the week of, of March 2nd, uh, that whole week we'll be celebrating kind of the birth of this whole series, the reason why I'm here, and revisiting the Bach cello suites, but we're going to do something different. Um, during the pandemic, I came here to record the Bach cello suites again for the second time uh, in the Akita Theater. And 
um, we're, I want to talk about that process that night and perform the Bach cello suites uh, in a very different kind of format, but also talk about the process of, of what it's like to record them and what um, it was recorded in the Super Audio CD, SACD, DSD, Direct Stream Digital. Um, and it was basically live um, because with the high fidelity recording as it was, they could do very few edits because you would hear them. Um, it's 250 times that of a normal CD. And we're also going to celebrate the producer, Tom Moore. It was his final recording as a, as a producer. And I say that because this past October, um, he died of a brain tumor. And he didn't know he had the brain tumor one week before his death. Uh, it was devastating. And uh, this ended up being his final what he called magnum opus recording the Bach cello suites and we talked about it extensively before his passing and I wanted to really honor him and to share that experience with the Mesa Arts Center and the audience and what he said about each of the movements and to again honor him and to honor the Mesa Arts Center and to honor uh, Bill and Maria Passi for uh, underwriting this extraordinary classical music inside out series. And it was kind of conceived by uh, Randy Vogel, Randall Vogel, who's extraordinary here at the Mesa. So it's gonna be a really, really emotionally intense week as you can already hear in my voice. Um, <clears throat> and that's on Thursday, March 2nd. To end our, our series will be the Eroica Trio on Thursday, April 6th. Um, and the Eroica Trio really needs no introduction. They're Grammy nominated. They won the Nomberg International Chamber Music Competition in the, in the early 1990s. Um, and uh, they are three incredible female classical performers uh, that are celebrated worldwide. And uh, I couldn't think of a greater way to celebrate yet another season for classical music inside out than these three wonderfully brilliant virtuosos. And you mentioned that the maker of one of the Mesa Arts Center's amazing pianos is flying in to talk about the instrument, building, maintaining it. Is that something you've always offered? It sounds amazing. Well, you know, the, see, again, people don't know this about, about this craft. But, you know, every time I'm in New York, I have to go to a violin shop and have my cello uh, Q-tipped and cleaned and fixed and, you know, maintained. Um, you can't do that with a piano. And so what happens is, is that these, these genius technicians have to be flown in to take care of these magnificent instruments in these concert halls. And um, the technician that, so the Mesa Art Center um, sent this piano for reconstruction to New York City. A man named Sujatri at Clavier House um, did all of the, the surgery and the reworking on it for quite a long time. The piano was sent back here. And now Sujatri, um, once a year, has to come here to make sure that his artistry is in perfect form. And so we've aligned his visit with Adam Golka's visit in October because we want to showcase him to our audience as the person who creates the piano to then create the, to be the muse of the pianist playing the recital. Does that make sense? Yes, I think that would be so fun for the kids to learn about. Like, I'd like to come sit in on that chat. Well, they'll never hear a piano the same way again. And I, you know, I always, when I walk on stage, I always tell the people about, you know, the age of my instrument and what they, sh what they should be listening to because I don't assume that they are comfortable with the adjectives um, in describing uh, these wonderful instruments. And so when Sujatri gets up there and talks about how he would lacquer 
the hammers to make it a more brilliant sound or to make them more fuzzy to make it a more gauzy sound uh, and how um, you know the pins in the piano are a certain way or the pedals are a certain way everybody in the audience will now never hear well they will hear the music differently for forevermore and which cello will you be performing the Bach cello suites on uh, which cello is it the famous one the famous one, yeah. I'm going to bring the 1693 Matteo Gufrilla Rosette Cello, made in Venice, Italy, and in, in, um, by Matteo Gufrilla. So um, it is—it's a spectacular instrument. It's actually my 25th year playing it, and um, and just to put in perspective to the audience, this is this cello was built when Johann Sebastian Bach was eight years old. So it's uh, it's it's spectacular, and it's it's a gift of a lifetime to be able to to uh, play music through this, let alone the celebrated Bach cello suites. You mentioned before we started recording that you've been extra busy with work, shows, performing. Uh, You said it's been nonstop. Do you think people are starved to hear music and art? Do you think the repercussions of COVID have hit yet? Or will they hit as hard as some think? Uh, yeah, that's a great question. I, I, in my, my, my opinion right now might change, but I, I do see a lot of PTSD right now. I do see a lot of, um, I, I, I see pe- there's a lot of fear with people being comfortable in public settings and they're, they're coming back. Of course they're coming back, but the comfort zone is, is, is becoming um, better and better with each event. Um, I do believe that music soothes and heals and is... Uh, something that that will um, help people um, but I do I, I keep reminding people that just take it one day at a time be present take it one day at a time be safe know what you know and do the best you can um, but I don't think that um, the repercussions of COVID-19 well I do believe the repercussions of COVID-19 are going to be felt psychologically for many years to come uh, not only in the adults, but I think a lot in the children because of being pulled out of school. <clears throat> the social um, tools that you learn when you're a certain age, um, I think people skipped a lot of steps or missed those steps. And so we have to be very patient um, with everybody. And I'm trying my best in my own way to be very patient, to know that um, we kind of were thrown back in society having kind of missed a chapter, a chunk. And uh, we have to just be kind, be kind to each other and uh, one step at a time. Well, thank you so much for talking with me today. I'm really looking forward to sharing all of this with the community and looking forward to next season. Uh, with pleasure always. And I hope, I hope to see everybody at the Mesa Art Center's Classical Music Inside Out series as soon as possible. That's Chella Zuel Bailey speaking about the upcoming season of his Classical Music Inside Out series with the Mesa Art Center. His final show of the 10th season is tonight at 6 p.m. and the next season begins fall of 2022. For tickets and more information, visit mesaartscenter.org. For KBOX Heart of the Arts, I'm Melissa Green. <laughs>